As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Nothing is more powerful than doing your due diligence and too many people trust on a handshake. Oh, this guy was from my church or he's a friend or whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's your mother. You do your due diligence, period. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a whole bunch of others. With us today, we have a returning guest who has been with us on this show two other times, one by herself, one with her husband, Rich. Those episodes were titled, She Raised $5 Million in One Week, and that's episode 132. And episode 417, I like this one even better, Can Lovers Run a Business Together? (laughs) (laughs) And Kathy and her husband, Rick, talk through their challenges as well as their triumphs running a business together. They were actually just partnering up at the time. How are you doing? Kathy Fedke. I'm doing great. And like we spoke about a bit ago, this has been the year that we just wanted to have fun together again. We got working so hard and our business grew so quickly. You and I are going to be speaking at a conference in August. And then Rich and I are heading away from that conference to Burning Man for some (laughs) 
first time, that should be interesting. We're all about new adventure these days. <laughs> yes, it will definitely be interesting and a new adventure. I haven't been, but I know people and I've seen the pictures and I will guarantee you that. A little bit about Kathy. If you haven't listened to those episodes, then shame on you, first of all. Go listen to those episodes. <laughs> but if you want a refresher, then Kathy is a CEO and co-founder of Real Wealth Network, which is a real estate investment group with over 16,000 members. She is the host of the Real Wealth Show podcast. She helps people build multi-million dollar real estate portfolios through creative financing and planning. And go check out her book. She is the author of Retire Rich with Rentals based in Walnut Creek, California. So, Kathy, to kick things off, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background, and then we'll roll into your challenging situation with the 92 unit. Yeah, a challenging situation. That's something that's actually come up more than just with this apartment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it's just true for anything. Anytime you have a goal or a dream, you will be challenged. And most of us have more than one goal or more than one dream. And so you'll have more than one challenge in life. And that's really what makes the difference between success and failure is your ability to overcome and find a way. And it really brings out your true character. In this apartment story, I'll tell you what, people's true character came out. And there are a couple of people who I will never do business with, that no one should do business with. There are people who've lost business because of the way they showed up in this time of challenge. Mm -hmm. And we're going to dig into the details on this. But I just initial observation, that is so true not only in real estate, but in personal relationships. And I remember when I was working in advertising, it really came to fruition with me whenever a client asked for something and someone messed up and there was a challenging situation. And you either grow together in that time of challenge or you grow apart. Mm -hmm. Is that what you found too? Oh, I just think your true character comes up. Listen, you're going to make mistakes. I, I'm a leader, your leader. We're cutting new pathways that have never been explored. And you're not always going to get it right. But when you're a leader, people follow you. And so there's, first of all, responsibility in that. And what, you know, again, like it's been said many times before, when you have great responsibility, then you are responsible for making the right decisions because people are following, let, let me put it this way, to cleaning up the mess you might have made, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yep. So you don't just walk away. Yep. Let's get into the specifics of this 92 units. <laughs> What's the deal? Again, just kind of going back to my background, Real Wealth Network, my company was started out of challenge because my husband was told he had six months to live. Thank God the doctor was wrong and his melanoma was just cut off and it didn't spread and He's healthy and he's my business partner today. But it was from that challenge that the birth of Real Wealth Network came because I wanted to know how to build passive income so I could still be a mom. If the doctor was right, there was no way I was going to go work all day and be away from my children. So that led to the pursuit of passive income and I discovered real estate and the rest is history. Real Wealth Network was born and we now have 24,000 members and we're constantly looking for wonderful passive investments. So... That brings me to this. Our focus had been single-family homes. I love single-family home rentals. There's tremendous demand nationwide. People love to rent a home, more so than apartments even, although some people like to be downtown and in a condo-type situation. But 
for the first time in history, there's more demand for single family. And so that has been our focus. That's what we're good at. And then we tried something new. (laughs) Somebody in our network brought us a 92 unit building and we had somebody who was vetting that and didn't do as thorough a job. And because it was out of my wheelhouse, I didn't know how to prove that he hadn't vetted it properly. And it was just one little thing that he didn't do. He didn't do a final walkthrough. Mm. So when we got the building, just a month later, here's the thing, this building was distressed. That's how you get good deals, right? You buy distressed property and sometimes it's more distressed than you realize. (laughs) Yep. So this building was vacant and it was vacant because there had been a gas leak. That gas leak, the city required all residents to leave that day. All 92? I think it was like 95% occupied. And yeah, those people were required by the city to leave. (laughs) This was within the last month of when you're No, this happened before. And so the owner came to us and said, oh my goodness, we've got it all fixed and the the oil leak's fixed and we just have a few more items that we need to do in order to get it rented. And so we need investor funds. And that's where I came in. I had my vetting guy, this deal, everything looked great and it will be great. It's great location, lots of positives. But the one thing we didn't do was that final walkthrough. And there turned out to be vandalism that we don't know for sure if it happened right before closing or right after closing because we didn't do that walkthrough. So we're told that it happened after, but I question it. And so either way, had it happened before or after, we ended up with severe vandalism and because the insurance hadn't quite kicked in yet, we were stuck with fixing that. So it's going to cost more money. All I cared about was saving the investor capital. We had raised 1.6 million. The building's worth probably four and a half million. There was a loan on it for... It was 1.2 million. So lots of equity in there. There was just, like I said, tons of potential. But with this added cost, it was getting tight. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the guy who brought it to me and he also brought in another team who sort of introduced us. So that person got some equity. And I went to them and I said, look, you guys have to give up your shares. I'm giving up mine. We're going to give it all to the investor so that they come out with what they were promised. And one of the guys said yes and one said no. That's what I meant about people's yep. character. Yep. yep. And so that person who said no made it just very difficult for us to move forward, to raise the money needed. There needed to be more equity. He hadn't even put any money into the deal. He just introduced the owner to us. You know, oh, it was, and that's, that's how he got equity? He was that's how he got equity. Budget. He was so selfish. And he was a big lender. You don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not messing with you. <laughs> like, you don't mess with me. You know, it was like, wait, don't you know, I know everyone. I'm not bragging. It's just, I'm somebody that knows a lot of people. And so it just wasn't a good idea for him to do that. He should have just come forward. He ended up losing a lot of business because we no longer referred people to him for loans. Yep, That was a bad mistake, but he showed his character. And so what we had to do to get him out of the deal to make this right for the investors was I had to hire with my own money. I poured hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money into saving this. I had to hire an attorney to help me figure it out. And he said, there's one way we can do this and we can buy the note and foreclose on them. So that's what we did. And we, so we went to the bank and said, look, this building's still vacant. It's vandalized. 
this was a hard moment, Joe. This was mm-hmm. really hard. I had to go to the bank. I've never done anything like this before. Yep. And I had to say, do you want the keys back? I had to act like I didn't care. And I said, you can have it. This building is vandalized. It's vacant. You can have it. Or you can renegotiate the note with me. And a couple weeks later, they cut the note in half. Wow. What was it like in those couple weeks where you weren't sure what the bank was going to do? Just psychologically and emotionally, what was it like? (gasps) Oh, it was so terrifying. I mean, I don't ever want to let an investor down. And you know, just from a personal standpoint, these are people who trust me. They come to our monthly events. They believe in me. They follow my show. I could never let them down. So there's the personal side, but then there's also the professional. One bad review and you could be done. So I had to make it right. So I reached out to them. I explained the situation. I said, please know that I'm going to do everything I can to save this. And I need you to support me in that. And they all came back and said, yes. You know, and, and I said, if the bank takes this property back, I'm going to find another way to get your money. I hope it doesn't come to this, but I don't think it will because banks don't generally like vacant apartments, mm-hmm. you know. So sure enough, the loan had grown to $1.8 million. This is amazing. We were able to buy it for seven fifty. Wow. Yeah. What type of self-talk, if any, did you have during those two weeks to keep the right state of mind? For me, it's a little more than talk. I think I've told you this before. I'm not sure, but... I have to do a hardcore workout every day to deal with the kind of pressure I have, basically managing and handling other people's money and and syndications and investments like this. The pressure's too much. Literally in my sweats right now Mm because I just came back from an hour and a half hardcore sweaty workout where everything feels better when I've done that. So I have to work out. I need to do my meditation and eat well and sleep well. When those things are in place, then I don't need so much self-talk. But in the meditation, it is a focus on a win-win, everybody coming out happy and visualizing that, visualizing the apartment with happy families in it and with investors receiving paychecks higher than they had expected. Mm -hmm. And me being on a show like this, telling you it worked out, (laughs) you know, so it's kind of visualization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was this the first apartment deal that you did? This is the first that I had to take over myself because we let the person go who did the vetting. And then I needed to step up and fix it. And while I was looking for people to help me, I had to make some decisions. So the people I hired was, like I said, a very, very good attorney near the property. Mm -hmm. And then my construction team out there, I think, you know, Real Wealth Network is known for having teams all across the country in the best markets. And we have one, this apartment's near Indianapolis, and we have a phenomenal single family home turnkey rental team that sells properties to our investors. And they came to my aid and said, we'll do anything. We'll watch the property. We'll seal it for you. Use my attorney, use my advisors. And they even put up their own money at times to make sure bills were being paid because they knew this was new to me while the interim, while I was trying to find someone to help. And so, you know, having those local teams made all the difference and they're so loyal. I just, I just cry thinking about it. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. With that note, the 750, do you have to pay that out of pocket? Now, here's where it got really scary is that we bought the note and needed to foreclose. We're about to foreclose actually any day on the other two 
owners and I needed it to be investors. So I'd formed initially in an LLC so that we bought into the head LLC of this apartment and our LLC at real, our real wealth network LLC owned like 52%. So now they're going to own a hundred percent once they foreclose, but I didn't want them to have to put in another penny. So I put it up. I had to go to my husband. Oh, so hard <laughs> and say, can we do this? Is it okay with you if we use our savings to buy this note in the investor's name? And so he, being the man he is, said, of course. And so we put up our retirement and we are not even in this moment secured. We did it in the investor's name. We, of course, got them to all sign that once we foreclose, we'll have a note. We'll be secured at that time. Mm -hmm. But in the interim, no, our money is just hanging out there unsecured. Mm -hmm but we've bought the note and our investors control the property. How many investors did you have on that deal? They put in 120,000 each. So I think it's 12. 12 investors. Yeah. But That's... you know, these investors put up their retirement. I can't let them lose it. Yeah. And you didn't. How long ago was this, by the way? It's happening right now. We bought it a couple of years ago and here was the business plan. We were buying in 52% and then we were going to finish the rehab and then refinance and all the investors were going to get their capital back, but still get the cash flow and still have the ownership. Yep. So awesome plan. Beautiful. <laughs> great um, on paper. Great on paper. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're going to be a hundred percent owner. Of course, I'm going to have 10% of that. Mm -hmm. And so as someone who's put in the money and been managing it and controlling it and put in lots of my own money. So now their share has gone up substantially and got a million dollars knocked off the loan. So they're actually going to come out even better than expected. It's just even going to be better as they've had to wait. And one of my mentors said, you never lose money. You just wait. It was close. It was close. The bank could have just decided not to let us do this and take the property back, but they didn't. And so you waited out and figure out a solution and make it work. Hmm. What a powerful comment. Never lose money. You wait. Do you approach your other investments the same way? Well, we bought some land in another syndication. We work with developers nationwide to raise the capital for land entitlement because there is just big fat money in that. We only work with the best developers who know how to do it. So that's become a specialty and our investors love it because it's totally passive, but it's really high yielding. It sounds risky, but because of how we do it, it's, it's actually not that risky because we're buying land and we're entitling it, but it's very valuable land and usually at discount. So oh, a few years ago when everybody was investing in North Dakota, <laughs> everybody, we were talking, um, Warren Buffett had billions. We bought some land right next to the new refinery there, the first new refinery in like 40 years or something. And then Warren Buffett's new CSX. And, you know, I mean, we could not have been better located at a time when oil was just booming. And then guess what? It crashed. Yep. It crashed on Warren Buffett. It crashed on Chevron. It crashed on all the major oil companies who had invested billions. So everything looked good until everything looked bad. But we as a group had bought very, very valuable land. And like I said, right next to this new refinery that was already underway. So it's actually the developer of that land who gave me that piece of advice. You just wait, you don't lose. So because the refinery is still being built and because they still want to use this land that we bought, it's going to work out. It's just not going to work out today. Mm -hmm. He did the same thing. The same developer bought land in Salt Lake. No, no, um, not Salt Lake City, right outside Park City. 
And same thing happened where the market crashed in Park City. It, it wasn't the Sundance Film Festival worldwide renowned place it is today. Yep. Same thing. The market crashed after he had raised investors' dollars to buy it. But because he waited and he knew he bought prime land, those investors ended up making more than they ever expected. It just took longer. They're still getting checks, actually. Yep. I interviewed someone who was developing in Park City when the sky came falling down and the loan for the bank he was using, the bank actually just went out of business and he went to go get a draw for his construction crew and some government person answered and said, well, they're no longer in business and sorry about your luck. He ended up losing $2.5 million of his own personal money. But if he would have been able to hold on, but he owed just so many vendors and contractors and subcontractors, over 100, we would have been able to hold on and ride out the storm, then he would have come out really well. It's just that in between time was the challenging part. You have to be able to hold. And with land, it's a little better than some things, but sometimes there's no income. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of land banking, mm -hmm. but if you're forced to be land banking, you need to know how to hold on to that property and be able to pay the taxes on it. You don't have a structure. So, But we're doing a land entitlement deal right now where we're actually growing food while going through the entitlement process. And so there's income from that. And then we're able to parcel off lots if it ever came to a point where we couldn't get the entitlements. We're going to, and it's all underway and it's going great. But that's the key. You got to be able to hold through the tough times. It always comes back. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention as it relates to the 92 unit project and the lessons learned and how you've applied them to your future deals? Yeah. The biggest lesson I've learned in the 13 years or 14 now that I've been the CEO of Real Wealth Network is that the more experience you have, the more you can smell bullshit. That's all I can say. When you're new to the business, you can get duped pretty easily. I just did a show on some scary stuff that one out of four, it's like 25% of Americans are sociopaths, which means that they can look you in the <laughs> eye and lie. Besides real estate and investments, I don't know anywhere else they flock to more because, <laughs> you know, it's true. And that's how, why Real Wealth Network started is on my quest to understand passive income, I became like you, a, a well-known radio host and podcaster, and I got asked to speak at different events. This was 13 years ago, and I'd go and I'd listen to these speakers and their slick suits and slick speeches, and they're good-looking and charming, and I'd go, wait a minute, nothing they're saying is true, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then people would run to the back of the room and buy their stuff. So you're seeing less of that because people are wising up to it. And people like you and me are giving real, solid, truthful information that's kind of putting the bad guys out of business, but they're still there. And so the biggest lesson I've learned is that nothing is more powerful than doing your due diligence. And too many people trust on a handshake. Oh, this guy was from my church, or he's a friend, or whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's your mother. You do your due diligence, period. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure with your deals now, I know you have a team yes. and the team I suspect is primarily responsible for due diligence. And then I suspect, and again, these are all assumptions that you oversee that. If that is the case, how do you determine what you look at versus what you delegate since due diligence is so important? Well, we hired a Six Sigma black belt, which is like the highest systems type person you can get. 
to vet our turnkey providers because everyone's putting up a sign called turnkey in front of their real estate company. And people will say, oh, it's turnkey and they'll buy it online without doing anything. It's amazing. And so we vet these turnkey providers nationwide. And I would say 90% we turn down. They don't meet our standards. And so this Six Sigma guy, the first step is looking at the quality of their rehab, doing background checks. We just turned down a pretty good turnkey operator because he had like 10 felonies, you know, it was oh like, Oh my God. Wow. And he was out of jail. But it still was like, that's a lot. I can see one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can even see one. Maybe, I don't know. We've got a guy that we work with. He's been to jail for and for mortgage fraud, but Hey, 12 years ago, everyone was doing mortgage fraud. So we kind of let him off the hook because we really believe he's changed. But we disclose it, you know, hey, this yeah. guy's been to jail, you know, but he's doing good work and still get your inspections and still get your appraisals and go see, you know, but with 10, it was like, this sounds more like a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so we are very strict. Yeah. Do they meet our renovation standards? Have the experience under their belt? Is their property management up to par? Are they licensed? All of these things that we have a huge checklist but still, even though the companies pass our initial inspection, we are not brokers on the deal. We are not overseeing every deal that gets done. So the next step is we teach our investors how to do that. You've got to know the steps that need to be taken. You have to get your inspection. Third party. Too many people buy property sight unseen and take the inspection from the seller. What good is that? Mm -hmm. You know, you need a third party appraisal. Ideally, go to the neighborhood, walk around, knock on doors and find out what the neighborhood's like, if people like living there. There's a whole checklist that we offer people to make sure. And then we're here, of course, to look over what they're doing. But because we're not brokers in 50 states, we do offer a tremendous amount of education to investors to make sure that they follow the right steps. Because you're not brokers, it just made me think of the question, how do you make money on a transaction like that? If you're a broker, we're brokers in California. And mm -hmm. so you can do broker to broker. You can't do agent to agent. Broker to broker only where the broker in Indiana, for example, will pay our brokerage a percentage of the fee that they earn. Mm -hmm. So it's a referral fee. Okay. So if it's a state outside of California, say, I don't know, Idaho or something, how would you make money from a turnkey provider that provides a deal to someone in your network? Yeah. So let's say we Same. referred you to someone in Idaho. Yeah. Then that broker in Idaho would be able to pay us out of their commission. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yes. Cool. So our investors don't have to pay us anything. The brokers on the other end have to. Makes sense. Well, Kathy, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Okay. Real Wealth Network. Real like real estate, wealth like your money and network as in the network we have nationwide. And then Real Wealth Show on iTunes. And then, like you said, Retire Rich with Rentals is on Amazon. Mm. Well, Kathy, as always, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for being candid about deals that you're working on and the lessons that you've learned on the first apartment community, 92 unit. You had many takeaways. One is always do a final walkthrough, noted. Two is that as your mentor or your consultant that you know said, never lose money, you wait. And you gave a couple really good examples there. And then three, just having a do whatever it takes attitude and making it happen. And just the two week time frame, I suspect, was a very good character building experience for you where you didn't know if the bank was going to accept 
your offer for slashing the note in half, as well as just talking about your business and how you've grown from over the last, I think, 13 years now in this business. And really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at the conference in San Francisco. Likewise, it's going to be great. All right. Thanks Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Are you looking for a hard money loan or do you have a mortgage note that you want to sell? Then email David at hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com. If you recognize this company, well, that's because David was a best ever guest on the show is episode 122, David Campbell. And you can email him at david at hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com if you're looking for a hard money loan or if you have a mortgage note to sell.